Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Wife Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports and embraces the women behind the military men by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. This episode of Military Wife Life is proudly brought to you by Defence Bank. Serving those who protect us, Defence Bank have the largest on-base branch network with 37 locations around Australia. They have Army, Air Force and Navy covered. To find your closest branch, visit defencebank.com.au. Well, welcome back to the Military Wife Life podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. Can you tell us about how you and your husband got together, how long you've been together, how you met? Uh, So we've been together 25, nearly 26 years now. Um, And we actually met through friends, which is a little weird considering he was military and I definitely wasn't. So we saw each other and went, okay, there's something happening here and um, just sort of went on from there. So when you met him, was he joining the Defence Force? Was he already in? What was his situation? So he was actually already in the Defence Force and had been for some time and he'd um, been posted to WA, to the SAFR. When you met and you found out that he was in defence, did that have any impact on whether you would go forward with the relationship or did you sort of know what it would be like being with someone in the defence force? What was your thinking going into the relationship? I actually had literally no idea what it would be like um, being with someone in the defence force. We'd been together for about a month, maybe six weeks when he rang me and said, I've got to go on course. And he went away for three months that early in the relationship and I sort of thought I wonder if this is going to be a a continuation if we were to stay together but kind of fell in love with him so it was you know one of those situations where you take the good with the bad at that time. Can you tell us a a little bit about your husband's job when he was in and how many sort of postings you did together what sort of it involved um, when he was in defence? So he joined in 1984 and like I said when I met him um, he was at SASR in WA and then when we eventually decided we were going to be together about 12 months after that he got posted to Sydney so that was a a bit of an upheaval we have several children and my entire family were in WA so we did new we did Sydney um, but whilst we're in Sydney had three moves three different postings in the one state over a three-year period. And then from New South Wales, we went to Victoria, where we had a couple more postings. And then eventually we got posted back to WA, and that's sort of where um, we stayed. And so how did that go in regards to that being your introduction to defence with three postings in three years? That's got to set you up for anything else being easier after that. Oh, absolutely. Um, it was it was a really actually it was quite a shock leaving my family because I was very very close to my mum and dad. So leaving them, all your friends, and just leaving what you know, you know your local shops, your doctors, your schools, and everything you do every day, and then just somebody lifting everything up and then just moving into a, another state where you don't know anybody, you have no idea what doctors are around, what schools. So it's a huge upheaval. But Defence Service, well, I have found them amazingly good and very, very supportive. I had no issues finding schools and I used a lot of their resources So when we moved. So although it was huge, 
it was also dealt with really, really well by defence. Did your husband's job require him to go away a lot? What was his sort of movements with being at home and deploying and all that sort of side of things? He was away a lot, a lot, a lot. But we, I guess we just sort of, for me, it was him being away meant that I had to take control of everything at home, which is something I'd never done before. So, you know, bills, kids, activities and everything else. So while he was away, once I finally got into that routine of him going away, which took some time, I have to tell you, but once I did finally get into the routine of him being away for long periods of time, the kids and I just got ourselves sorted. So we were very, very structured, very structured. And it, it was okay. It was very lonely, I have to tell you, especially at night. But then when he came back, that's when the difficulties started arising. Was it every time that he would come back? that it would be a hard adjustment? Like how did it how did it sort of work for you? When he's gone, you well, I structured my house with all the kids in such a way that we were we had everything down pat, you know, the kids knew what time to get up, they had the lunches, everything was so structured, chores and everything else. And then hubby would come home and he'd just throw a spanner in the works, you know, I'd be saying it's bath time, you know, go, can't they stay up for ten minutes longer because I've only just got home and it just threw all our routine out and that caused a lot of disagreement and argument. Even when you know you're like, no, we're structured, we're set and you're gonna be going again soon. You just need to follow our routine when you're home. He just couldn't do it. So how did you get through that? How did you sort of come to a an agreement of how, you know, because obviously it's up and down, up and down every time he goes and comes back. So did you come to some sort of agreement as to how you should just let, you know, both let things go or how did you sort of cope with, with all of that? So in the end, when it was a long deployment um, and he was gone for quite some time, we came up with an arrangement that when he got back, he got time with the kids and we wouldn't be so structured at home. On his short deployment, we agreed that he would come home and follow my structured program because if he's only gone for a couple of weeks it's not like the kids didn't see him or hear from him but if he was gone for months at a time then obviously it's a long time for him to be away from his family and I had to realize that he missed us as much as we missed him so his request for not being so structured was purely just wanted that quality time with us and the kids so I had to learn something and he had to learn something and we came up with a mutual agreement that we'd just do it that way and it worked really well. I guess it took a few um, tries <laughs> to get to that agreement, I guess, because, you know, you're sort of feeling your way through after a few deployments and you kind of figure out what does and doesn't work and then you come to an arrangement that works for both of you. Definitely. I, I definitely had to learn a little bit myself in regards to just stepping back a little bit and letting him have that time with the kids because my fear was obviously when he goes, we're going to resort back to dad time and not mum's rules so yeah it did take a little while to adjust but the kids adjusted really really well and so did hubby and I. At what point did it get to the stage where your husband decided to transition out of defence? That was a really long process. We had been moved back to Western Australia for another posting and while we were there one of our kids was in year 11 and one was in year 12 and we just felt it wasn't fair to make the move in those final years of school so it was hubby's decision to stay and I said I'd stay with the kids and he could take another posting and he obviously didn't want to do that and it got down to where he was told he had to be posted so then he had to make the decision whether to get out or go on his own and obviously he came down on the decision to stay with us. It took him about three years to get there but once he'd made it that was that was it he was home. 
And so how does that sort of work? Like you make the decision and then you put the paperwork in and what sort of happens then? So he made the decision. Um, he finally signed the papers. But during that period, because we'd moved back to WA, um, I hadn't been able to have a, a career of my own due to looking after the kids and all the moves. So I'd actually joined the West Australian Police at that time. And so I was staying in WA and then he got very interested in it as well and looked into it. So he actually sort of transitioned from the army to the police. And because they're sort of similar paramilitary lifestyles, he went sort of from one to the other. So the transition wasn't, he wasn't out looking for a job or having that, the issues of not being qualified because not too many people want parachute jump instructors. So he didn't have to do that transition. So he just sort of went straight from the military into the police. Okay, so how did that work with both of you then having careers? Like, obviously, he kind of would have been used to being the career member, the one that goes away, has got this focus on, okay, next, it's this job for me, and this is where I'm going with my career, to obviously having to consider you because you're both in the police force and both um, obviously progressing in your career in that sense. So how did that sort of work with juggling that? Once the decision was made to stay and I joined the police, we came to another arrangement that my career would take priority and he could join the police, but it would be my career that actually takes the priority for a period of time. And so he joined and then when I got posted to a, a country town, he just followed me this time instead of me following him. And it worked really well. I mean, we got to work together in the police and everything. So it, I guess we were very lucky in that regard, opposed to a lot of other uh, couples and people leaving the military because he sort of came into the same job as I did. So we still had things that we could talk to each other about and we were both enjoying exactly the same career. So we were really lucky in that respect. And so how did it come to be that your husband ended up looking into getting a dog through the Defence Community Dogs Program? So originally, um, his psychologist actually mentioned it to him and he was like, oh, you know, I don't know. And he didn't tell me anything about it for a couple of months. And then he came home and brought it to my attention and said, look, this is what they're doing and this is what the dogs can do, thinking about making an application. Are you okay with that? And at the time, we'd only just put down our 16 and a half year old lab who I loved to death. So I was a bit hesitant because I didn't really want another dog in the house. But he continued with his application. So even if he finished the application and we said no, we were still in the position whether we could or couldn't take the dog. And then I researched it, what the dogs can do, and just the absolutely amazing work DCD do up there. And then I said to him, yep, it's fine if you want to give this a shot. Because at that particular time, his PTSD was at its absolute worst. We were nearly separating at that time. So the dog for me was like, okay, if this can help, let's give it a shot. So he put his application in and he was one of the fortunate ones to be able to get a dog. Was your husband getting help for his PTSD before he discharged or was this something that came up after he discharged? Like how did that come into play? I think we both knew. I don't know whether um, hubby did, but I knew something had changed in him after he discharged and at home. We, we were having so many difficulties in our marriage and with our, our kids. So I knew there was something wrong, but he didn't actually seek any help until he was totally out and had been working for a couple of years before it sort of got to a stage where he's like, yep, there's something definitely wrong and I need to get some help. So did had you picked up anything that you might have been able to attribute to, to PTSD before he had it picked up by a psychologist? It's the little things, so many little things, like going off his rocker because the toilet roll hadn't been changed. 
And instead of just going, hey, you didn't change your toilet roll, it was a massive blue. You never do that sort of thing. Um, same with like flywire doors not being closed the whole way. Just the very, very simple and important things in life were triggering him horrendously. And I was like, no, there's something wrong. Why are you getting so angry and so upset about absolutely nothing? So I knew there was something not right with him because that's just not the sort of person he is. Was it your husband that put his hand up to go and see a psychologist or did you prompt him to do that? How did that work? I prompted. Um, he also put his hand up because just family life was falling apart. We, we weren't going to have a family. So um, I think when it got to the stage where I just couldn't deal anymore and felt that one of us needed help, I wasn't sure which one at the time, we both put our hands up and said, no, there's something not right. We need to go and see someone and work out what it is. So he'd been seeing his psychologist and then, like you mentioned, the psychologist suggested he apply for a dog through the Defence Community Dogs Program. How was it sort of explained to you as to what sort of difference the dog would make to your husband's life? I think partly we've always had dogs and um, I know that dogs are an amazing, calming source for anybody. So that was sort of in my mind straight away. And the dogs are trained just, I can't even explain. They're just the most amazingly well-behaved, beautiful dogs that they do up there. So I didn't have any concerns of having a puppy training, et cetera, et cetera. All of that was done for us. And it was sort of explained to me that if hubby was to have an episode, their job is to be there and to stop their mind going the way it is. It's to try to bring them back so they don't have that time to sit and think. The dog lets them know that they're getting stressed, tells them, and then they don't have that chance to sit there and um, <laughs> think about what they're thinking about. So, and there you go. <laughs> <laughs> he's, so, he's having his say. He is. And so once you guys had decided to put the application in and go forward with it, what sort of happened then? Like, did you get a response and say, okay, yes, you've been accepted? Like, how do they sort of assess who gets a dog? How does that work? So they have um, extensive vetting um, at DCD. So they not only check the vet, but they check your lifestyle, your house, what sort of a house you have. Do you have a yard? Um, have you got kids? Is the vet able to exercise the dog? You know, can they walk? Can they take them out? So the vet extensively and then you put your app in, they vet all everything and they get a letter from the psychologist as well, from the doctor. The process is quite extensive. But then once they've said yes, they send you a letter saying, yep, you can come on up. But then hubby had to go up to DCD Dogs and he spent 10 days being trained for the dog. So although the dog was extensively trained, they then train the vets with the dog and they see which dogs have a, an affiliation with which person as well. So after, I think it was two or three days, the dog actually sleeps with the, the veteran. So they share a, a motel room together so they can get to know each other. And they, they continue their training for the, the rest of the week, but they actually have the dog with them 24-7. So Gus was with Hubby for that entire time. Then when they graduate and Hubby got Gus, they're allowed to come home. They give them a... Um, huge pack with everything they could possibly need. They go through feeding routines, everything else with them, and then they send them home. So at the point when your husband got Gus, what was happening between you and your husband? Like, were you working it out or what was sort of happening at the stage by the time that the dog sort of came along? 
Hey Military Wife Life community, I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit about the Defence Bank Foundation and the great work they're doing in the defence community. The foundation raises funds to support serving and ex-serving ADF members living with injuries or illnesses such as post-traumatic stress disorder. In 2019, the sole beneficiary of the foundation was the Defence Community Dogs Program, a specialised dog training program which rescues abandoned dogs and trains them through correctional services. 40 service dogs have been trained and given to veterans since the Defence Bank Foundation was established. The program gives dogs, inmates and veterans a second chance at life. Stay tuned to this podcast episode to hear more about this program thanks to the Defence Bank Foundation. So by the time um, we were doing that, we were actually both in independent counselling and um, marriage counselling at the same time. So we'd sort of, we'd already gone through a lot of our issues, but it was still quite strange. So I guess when Gus came home, like, could you see like an immediate impact on your husband having the dog? Like what was the process with bringing Gus into the home and how did that sort of affect things? So he had an absolute immediate effect on um, hubby. That was obvious from the moment they came in. It's difficult because as the partner, I was the one that looked after hubby and would be there for the night terrors and everything else so when he brought Gus home that was actually Gus's job and no longer my job so it took a a, quite a bit of adjustment because now Gus was in favor and I wasn't. A little bit of relief but then also you're trying to find like where your role is after being you know a certain person to your husband for so long and now that sort of pressure has been taken off you but like who are you then? Yeah yeah what's my role? How did you come to terms with that? It took a little while but like in the middle of the night if hubby had night terrors if I tried to wake him he'd just get angry at the fact I've woken him but then when Gus would wake him he'd wake up and Gus would be all over him licking his face trying to get him out of what he was in and it was automatic oh thanks thanks buddy and it was just this whole calm that the, the night terror had stopped and he was calm and then you know Gus would just curl up and sleep on top of him for the rest of the night. Whereas if I used to do that, it would just be an upsetting situation for both of us. And then I guess what's happening when Gus gets into the bed? (laughs) Like, where are you? Fortunately, we have a king bed. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the other thing. Gus and hubby are inseparable and they they are together 24-7. So if hubby goes to the shops, if hubby goes to the bank, uh, if hubby goes anywhere, Gus is with him all the time. They're totally inseparable, the pair of them. The relationship that they have got together is truly amazing. We can be sitting down, having a chat, and um, he could hear something on the radio that might trigger him a little bit. And Gus is over there like lightning. He's either tapping his foot to get his attention. And if hubby doesn't pay any attention, he will actually jump up onto his shoulders and start licking his face and say, hey, look at me, I'm here. Stop what you're doing and look at me. And he does that just beautifully. So obviously, I mean, it's had a huge positive impact, but you're basically the third wheel now. Yes, I am. (laughs) But in a really good way. I mean, it was difficult at the beginning, but to see someone going from being heightened 24-7 to someone relaxed and calm and enjoying life, it's truly amazing. What they do with these dogs up there is just fantastic. I can't even tell you how amazing they are. So before you even knew about the dogs program and were accepted, what level sort of 
of where you at? Obviously you've had however long coping with your husband's PTSD and all that comes with that. You're the one holding everything together behind the scenes. You're the one, you know, getting the individual counseling and worrying about your husband as well, getting the marriage counseling, you know, you've got all of that going on at any point did you think how am I going to draw the strength to keep going like this? Yeah of course you do. I've had many a day just sitting in the shower crying my eyes out but I mean all I can really say is you can't give up. You know I I married this man and I, I married an amazing man and none of this was his fault. This wasn't in on him you know he, he didn't choose to have PTSD. He wasn't choosing to talk to me the way he did or treat me the way he did or the kids or the grandkids. It wasn't on him and that's what the counselling taught me because you take it very very personally with PTSD but little snipes, constant snipes, um, remarks and stuff you, you take it personally and I learned that through counselling that it's not me he's upset with, it's not me he's angry with and being told that really helped me look at him in a different way where I could actually say okay so you're not actually really having a shot at me you, you, you've just been triggered by something today and this is the only way you can vent at the moment so I'm your beating post for want of better words I guess but once I learned it wasn't about me I could sit back and go okay with some dealing strategies from the counsellor I could sit back and go okay I can remove myself from here or I can talk to him like this or whatever I needed to do and with that I was like okay we can work through this now we can get through this PTSD together. Now I understand it because a lot of people don't actually understand what happens to these poor guys when they get PTSD. Yeah. And I guess it also comes down to your husband wanting to work on it as well. At least he had acknowledged it and he was seeking help and you were both sort of coming together to work on it together, but then acknowledging the fact that, you know, like you mentioned, this is not him. This is the PTSD. That is one thing that I think is actually primary in this situation for any wife who's got a, a partner suffering from PTSD. It, that's why we went to counselling. So it's something you need to learn about because I didn't understand it properly either myself. And then once it's explained and you understand exactly what's happening to them, you can sit back and actually have a look and you, you, you're not always feeling like you're the one that's being attacked and you can understand their behaviour and you can also sometimes preempt it. So if you know it's the anniversary of something that's happened that triggers them off, you know a few days before that this might be a day where they're not going to be at their best. You just make sure you put other strategies in place so that doesn't happen that day. Keeping that in mind, working on yourselves and working on it together and, and seeking help for the PTSD, whether it be through medication or like your husband with Gus, you can do all of that and that's great, but it's still a weight on your shoulders. Like it's still exhausting and I mean, there's not going to be a point where it just goes away. Like it's going to be there and you're going to have to put those strategies in place and, and be thinking sort of those five steps ahead. So in saying that, like how much of weight off your shoulders was it when Gus came along and obviously you mentioned that you saw the immediate impact that he had on your husband and Gus has he's taken so much it's going to the shops um, it's day-to-day -day at home if he's just sitting having a cup of tea and something's just making him feel anxious and they're not overt acts that he does it, it could be slightly heavier breathing um, it could be he rubs his hands together it could be he just taps his foot but Gus knows all of these and the longer he's there together the more he sees and the more he learns and he reacts instantly and as soon as Gus reacts hubby reacts 
So whatever it was that was upsetting him or triggering him with Gus, it's gone. He's now focused on Gus. He's not focused on what was starting to trigger him. They're truly amazing. So what do you think life would have been like? Obviously, you were putting all the measures in place, but Gus has made a huge impact. What do you think it would have been like if you hadn't have found out about the program and hadn't received Gus? I think it would have been a struggle. I think we would still be doing marriage counselling and I think I would still be feeling the way I was before because Gus is the middleman. He he stops all of that. So I, I couldn't actually imagine where we would be without Gus now. He's just a massive, massive part of our family. And do you remember having like a moment when Gus came home and everything had sort of settled and, and he was sort of had become part of the family? Do you remember like a moment that you sort of just looked at Gus and your husband or when your husband had been triggered and Gus had brought him back down and calmed him or a moment where you just thought, wow, like, thank goodness that we got Gus? Oh, yeah, several There has been several. We went to a um, shop to buy a TV and um, like I was saying before, the salesman was being very annoying. He was actually annoying me as well. I didn't even see, I didn't even notice um, that hubby was getting frustrated and I just turned and Gus was up on his shoulders, right up on his shoulders. And then when he was put back down, Gus grabbed his lead in his mouth because Hubby had it in his hand. He grabbed the lead in his hand and pulled Hubby out of the shop. He actually walked him out of the shop. It was just, and that's not something he was um, actually taught at DCD. It was just something that he had learned with his relationship with Hubby. Oh, that he needed to be like taken out of the situation and that he was going to do it for him. Yeah, and he's he's actually done that several times now. He So he just grabs his lead and he starts pulling hubby. So he could be sitting or whatever, he'll just pull hubby. And um, he just, he's got to walk off with him because that's what Gus wants. And he does. And whatever's happened, it's gone. Honestly, I cannot praise DCD enough. The, the training, even after we've got the dog and he's home and we're bopping along, they're in constant contact. They're always doing checkups to make sure everybody's okay. You know, they send him birthday cards and birthday presents for Gus, they are truly at an amazing, amazing. And the people up there are some of the nicest people I've ever met. And so I guess if your psychologist hadn't known about the program, how do you think you would have found out about the program if your psychologist hadn't mentioned it? Like, had you heard about any similar programs before that? No, I mean, I've heard of dogs going into hospitals and uh, we're both uh, legatees. So we had, you know, dogs in the old age homes for the widows and that. But I've never, not this note, I don't know if many people do know much about it. So I guess if there's other spouses out there that have a partner who are going through PTSD or and they're you know going doing all the right things with the counseling or or they're wondering you know what is the next step how can we help each other how can how can I help my partner what would you say to them in regards to going through a program like this and receiving a dog just do it do it the transformation for your partner is just simply amazing the difference you can't even explain the difference obviously having a dog's a huge responsibility and we've got a lab so he molts horrendously but I'd suck that up any day to have my happy back the way he is now, 100%. For me, and this is obviously just me personally, if any ladies have a husband suffering with PTSD, every hubby is different, obviously. But this program is probably the best program available. It, it keeps them off any medications because a lot of the medications make them drowsy and they don't feel like they're themselves. 
spoke quite often the medications are actually more deterrent than they are for them to take them. I would, if you're having issues and you, you want any help, get them to get a dog. So beautifully trained. Um, I mean, they go to the toilet on demand, you know, so you don't have any issues with that. They'll sleep where you tell them to sleep. They're just truly amazing. So even if you're not a dog person, they change your life. And so for those that aren't needing to access something like this program, the other option is for people to support programs like this. Obviously, this the Defence Community Dogs Program is financially supported by the Defence Bank Foundation and people can yeah. make donations to programs like that and to foundations like that. So would you encourage people that, you know, maybe aren't wanting to access a program like this but want to support the, the veteran community and the defence community to look into supporting a, a foundation or a program like this? I think anything we can do to help the veterans and whether, like you said, whether it be the dog or donating or anything, but anything we can do for the veterans to help them and their families. I think the run on effect from having Gus, like just at home has been amazing, but now hubby is calm and in a really good place. He's now reconnected with all the kids, having an amazing relationship with all the kids. He's reconnected with all the grandkids and again, having an amazing relationship with them. So it's really not just brought hubby and I back together. It's actually brought the family unit back in together, which is something we haven't had for a long time. So it, it's a run-on effect. So it's not just home. It's Gus has just changed all of our lives. Do you think that maybe it's also allowed your husband and your kids to actually rediscover each other because I guess you knew what your husband was like when he didn't have PTSD. I guess your husband may have had it for many amount of years that the kids have, I guess, had just adjusted their thinking to dad being like that and and that's dad and that's he has out outbursts for that and he acts that way for this. So are they seeing like a totally different side to your husband now that he's got his PTSD under control with the help of Gus? Yep, definitely. One particular daughter has been in contact and sat down and been able to discuss everything that she felt was not right in their relationship. And he's been able to sit down and listen and go, yep, I'm sorry, babe. I'm sorry. What have you learnt along the way of being a spouse and I guess coping with everything that defence life brought for the family and then for your husband when he transitioned out of defence? What have, what have you learnt along the way as a spouse? The biggest thing is nothing's too hard. So the moves, the changes of lifestyle, um, everything else, if you look at it as more of an adventure and less of a, oh my God, it can actually be quite a lot of fun. You can meet lots of new people with totally different experiences, lots of military families. So your kids have always got someone to play with, which is awesome. And I guess the only downside is how they come out a bit broken. So my hubby's not just got PTSD, he's got quite a few physical problems as well. So I'd probably say that was probably the worst thing, that some of them come out a little bit more broken than they went in. But other than that, I wouldn't change any of it. I would not change what we did in our lives, um, moving and everything else. I wouldn't change anything. So what does the future hold for your husband and your family? And I guess, you know, like, are you guys planning any uh, holidays? Are you invited or is it just your, your husband and Gus going? <laughs> usually just husband and Gus. We've got a, a camper and we just jump in the camper with Gus and pop out and he swims and we just sort of sit and chill. It's really quite pleasant actually. Where wherever we go, Gus goes and oh, whatever of Gus course. wants Gus. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Beck. It's been so good to hear about your story and the impact that 
us and the defense community dogs program has, has had for your family. Like, I mean, yeah, it's definitely something that people should look into if they're going through something similar to what you, you, you and your family have. Oh, absolutely. But thank you very much for having me back. And I hope that's helped somebody somewhere. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 